0: There are many things you could say after that. That was, woo, that was That was great. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and these guys are glad to get one. It's good. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. You'll notice that we've been, uh, we'll be in until Jesus comes back, this study of Philippians and the idea of living a life of full joy and different perspectives and just different attitudes of joy. And we're looking at fulfillment and we're going to kind of wrapping up this particular attitude today. And this is really, I've mentioned several times, but it's really interesting for me on a personal level, this, this book has so much to me over the years, teaching me and what life is really all about as a lever, as a human being, why we are here. And I can remember growing up and being afraid of God. And then after I got saved and understanding God was in on a personal level and I had a weird dream. I'm going to share it with you. So I dreamed I died and went to heaven like you always see in different I to get to Pearly Gates and St. Peter to see whether you get in or not. Now, that's not the way not what the Bible teaches, but somehow it's gotten in our mindset over the years, so that's what we think. So I get to the Pearly Gates, and Peter's there, and he says, well, hello, Randy, and he knew my name. So I get there, and he says, all right, you need 100 points to get in. I said, all right, so tell me what you've done and we'll see if your points add up. Do you need a hundred points to get in? I said, well, let's see. Gosh, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. That, that's gotta count for something. And he goes, No, not really. We've been watching. Not really. I said, Well, I've been married to, to Mary for 41 years. Surely putting up with her got me with God. No, not really. Now, she got a lot of points, but you didn't. I said, Look, I've ru- I've worked with Russ Bingham. God to give me points with that. It just didn't count. I said, all those uh for example, middle school kids. I started out working nobody likes middle school kids. Nobody's willing to work with them. I said no nope. for so that. I said, Great. What what am I gonna do? I said, it's not for the grace of God, I don't get in. He goes, Ah, you got a point, you're in. You see, that's it. And that's the beauty of understanding, and I love the songs the beauty of understanding. Your God is God of grace. He gives something you don't do the personal work sacrifice of Christ. And my life fulfilled for no other reason than I'm a Christian that every day I get to wake up and know that this day, God gives me another day on this planet to glorify His Christ. If you'll notice on your handout, we've been looking at this particular segment, the particular joy, attitude of fulfillment. We've looked at number one, finding a fulfilled life. And last week we walked through number two, the, the faith the last couple of weeks, the faith of a fulfilled life. And this is really where I want to begin today in Romans chapter six. And you'll notice under the number two on your handout, the faith of a fulfilled life. And we're in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. The priority of Christ we dealt with, the righteous of Christ and knowing Christ. And, the, and underneath knowing Christ, the idea of power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And that's kind of where we left off last week. And I want to begin with this idea of being formed to his death. In Romans chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. In Romans chapter 6, Paul writes these words. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, context Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. He who has died has been freed from sin, as a mass context. If we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves... To be dead, and that simply means charge or count your mind. Yourselves, Paul was apparently southern, he liked to reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin as your master, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This idea of being conformed into his death. We were talking about last week, the idea of knowing Christ. Not intellectually giving a sin fact scripture or the facts of history. The Bible says in James, even the demons believe. And tremble. They know when they encountered, you read through the gospel, the demons encountered Christ. They knew who they encountered, did they not? They knew that he's God. They knew. And they were terrified because they knew he was, but they didn't know him. Now, intellectually, I can read scripture and a lot of people do. And I can, I can read history and I can ascertain the facts about J- Bar Joseph of Nazareth who lived and claimed to be Messiah. I can understand. I can read. I can internalize those facts and know them, articulate them. But the idea we began to talk about last week, the knowledge of Christ, the idea that the power of his resurrection, that God saw there in Romans, God raised him from the dead. He said, destroy this body, and in three days, I will raise it up. He walked out of that tomb, and by so doing, we saw there again in Romans, by so doing, he conquered sin, and death is brought by sin, so that it no longer has to be our master, it no longer has to have dominion over us, that through Christ, because he. Conquered death. He did the work that I cannot do. He paid the debt that I owe that I could not pay. And so when I get to that gate, it's just grace of God. I know Jesus, my son. I'm allowed in. Not the fact I've been married, married 41 years. Not the fact I worked at Not the fact I hung out with middle school. Not the fact I've been a preacher for 31 years. The fact Jesus paid my debt. Jesus saved me. Jesus gave me life, the power of his resurrection. And so as we were talking about last week, and this idea of having a fulfilled life, the fellowship of his suffering. Yeah, whatever I go through in this earthly life is an opportunity to share what he went through, and no one, no one has ever walked planet Earth suffer any more, Jesus Christ. No one even approached suffering like he, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and understanding that he's taking our in debt. This was God who never sinned, the perfect God-man dying in our place for our sin. So what I get to do and having a fulfilled life means that whatever I face, good or bad, we'll talk more about that in a moment, is an opportunity through that process point to this cry how i've tragedy how i did how i face and deal with for example let's say tomorrow i inherit a million dollars we can let's stop and pray that happens let's say that happens that tomorrow out of the blue somewhere i don't have any rich relatives that i know of but who knows somebody just says here here's you had a rich uncle that passed a million dollar change me I hope not. I hope what it would do is give me more resources to glorify Jesus. I hope. But the Bible says the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. Go around this right now, and I guarantee you, a number of people that can share or relate, because it does. It can. So every moment, Lord, how do you want? Lord, that, that I really struggle work. How can I point? How can I show them? There's a great book out right now, and I'm, it's called The Fifth Gospel. You get a chance to get it, That not long. But The Fifth Gospel, talking talking about, about getting in. How many Gospels are there by quick? That's why you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the fifth Gospel is you. And the great quote is, many people know Matthew, Mark, and John may not ever read them, read you. So every day is an opportunity for me to share the good the Gospel of Jesus Christ, being conformed to his death. Now here's the idea from what we just read in Romans. Jesus died and he conquered sin and death. He reaches down and he redeems me and he gives me eternal life. So death, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Has no sting in my life. The grave is not an issue for me. A psalmist wrote in Ecclesiastes that the day I die is the best day of my life. I go home. God says in his word, as our father, again, not to God who is out there, but my father says, precious, precious in my dad's sight, those who know him, those who are born again. We call ourselves Christian. In God's eyes, it's a precious moment when I pass away, I go home. That's why, let me save me time. Every funeral, you have hope. And being conformed to his death, I died sin as my master. It's no longer the one who runs. Jesus is my master. He conquers sin and death. Sin is still around. I still have a propensity to sin. And at times I do. The beauty of Christ is he's forgiven. And when you understand scripture, motivate you to say, wow, what a privilege. That's why every time I sing, that despite the fact I let God down on a regular basis, he says word, I forgive them, no, and I remove them as far as from west. Quit bringing them up. I've forgotten What does Satan want to do? And by the way, this in a very sense, I want to, particularly yesterday, last night, Mary kept asking me what was wrong and I didn't know how to tell her. In my prayer life, the after the last night, I kept coming back to the idea that I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I kept having to pull my Bible out and God reminding me, I've called you, I saved, put you, now you go do what I tell you to. Nobody's worth For all of sin, all. The guy that we're reading about in Philippians in a moment, Saul of Tarsus, was the number one enemy, Christ and his. And he became the guy who became the leader, the apostle, the one who took the gospel to Europe, Aransa. He was the one. The church never would have chosen him for, never would have called him to be their apostle. Jesus, I'm not worthy. neither are you. Follow me. Think about the last night Jesus gets those 11 guys in the room. He tells them I'm going away over and over. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away. I need you to love each other. Wash your feet. I need to go out and do the comforter. And then within a few hours, Peter say, I had never heard of him. I don't know him. By God, I don't know him. But Jesus didn't give up on him. Comes back to Peter. Short weeks. Feed my sheep. You love me. You love me. You love me. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. My sheep. So every day, despite the fact that I'm not worthy, every day, God said, get up. Get out. I'm putting you out. It's a high calling to be, sin is not my master, Jesus. Now look at verse 11 of chapter 3, the motivation of Christ. Verse 11, to have this fulfilled life. an incredible passage against right here. If by any means I, Paul, may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. It says, if by any means, in other words, in order that, I may attain or arrive at knowledge that we've been talking about. It's a lifelong process. Here's what he's about to articulate, and it is incredible. And that's really how this happened in my prayer life over the last few days, but really all week. That I need to have that sense and understanding of humility for God. That I'm unworthy, yet he calls me anyway. He says, now I'm going to use you. I'm going to work through you. You're my child. You're my priest. Every believer, priest unto others. We take God, we take gospel, pray to the Lord. We represent the Lord to our world. Our motivation is I want to grasp more firmly what Jesus grasped me for. So Paul says, I haven't arrived yet. I love that. Now we're talking about the apostle Paul who writes this, what we're about to read. What he's saying. The other than Jesus Christ, the most mature, godly individual you could find scripture apostle Paul. And he says, I understand I haven't arrived yet. Doesn't that help you? You can relax and go cuz you haven't arrived yet either. I haven't attained I'm in the process, and my goal, my motivation is I want to, the process, tend to grasp more rope as wants to grasp and be more mature, be more what he wants to be. Don't, in your life, as a believer, don't ever be satisfied. There was an article in yesterday's paper about about, a new Christian college to uh, Memphis. It's the old Crichton College. And I grew up in high school. I was close friends with Doc Crichton, founded Mid South Bible College, which so later became Crichton College. I was very close friends with two of his sons. We played basketball together for years. And so I got to meet Dr. Crichton as a young Christian. I was years old, and he used to have a Bible study on Monday night, Southern Avenue Baptist. And as a, I was a brand new Christian, and Dr. Crichton let me come to his Bible study. It was a men's Bible study. He let me come. His sons, a year old kid, and I was so enamored at how much Dr. Crichton, the brilliant man he was, president of Bible College. And I would to get to go to his home and talk and listen. And I was old with how much he knew. And I, and I told him that day. He said, Randy, look gravelly. He said, Randy, look at me. And I'm like, yes, sir. This was the man. I mean, I, and again, I'm a young Christian. And I learned right this, doc, And I thought, night, there's no hope for me if Dr. Crichton is like that. Well, what I learned was if Dr. Crichton, my I admired, and later on, I saw the same thing for years and I got to meet. And I got this one night. He's 10 years old. still in the ministry. And I love this Wayne Barber so much, the style and how I lay it. And this night we got the million Scott Jones, and we got to go here. Just an old country boy loves Jesus. This was about, he's t- about the age that I am now, and he's up to preaching the lay. He starts crying. Said, "I don't know how much the Lord will let me. What I do. I want I want You see, it doesn't matter how old or how young you. Are. It's where am I? I motivate. Notice how Paul puts it. He says in verse 11, look at it again, the end of verse 11. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. It's coming in. We're all going to be re- That time, until I'm not no longer here, keep moving. I want to attain. I'm going to quote you a couple of verses. Listen. These are wor- These are from the lips of the Apostle Paul. pen. He wrote these words. I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to called an apostle, because I persecute of God, not worthy. To me, I am less than the least of all the saints. Grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Can you imagine outside understanding grace and the nature of God, guilt this man, the fact he following, chasing, persecuting, prison, and having killed followers, that was job on the road to Damascus saying he writes, but God by grace allowed me to pray. So if you ever think you're not worthy, which sometimes we all do, I know I do, I love to come back to these things. Now you go do what I want. By the way, Paul did job. He struggled because it's a reminder. Now look at verse as he writes in verses twelve through thirteen. Notice what he says. We're going to read all that and we'll come back and we're going to verse thirteen. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. He's already said it twice. But notice it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I think maybe if you if you write your Bible, maybe either highlights a little phrase, never forget it. One thing I do single-minded focus. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Remember, what had been behind Saul of Tarsus? He'd been rough, a Christian follower. He had been their number one enemy. I got to forget that. I got to put it behind me. Come back to that in a moment. And I've got to notice what I've got to do. Single-minded focus. One thing I do, I've got to forget what's behind and I've got to reach forward to what's ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let Let us, as many of us as are mature, in other words, you're not satisfied, growing in your faith, have this mindset. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. We're going to deal with verses 15 and 16 in another sermon starting next week. So I want to focus on 12, 13, and 14. Not that I've already attained; I've already perfected verse 12. I haven't arrived. I'm not. I'm not sure enough, but notice, the focus, the focus of a fulfilled life. He says, and I want you to understand this metaphor. It really helps. He uses it in 1 Corinthians. He it here. He uses Timothy. And it's the focus of running a race. Running a race. The Greek games. And here's the idea. If, and I never ran track, but I watched a run. That's like today. I don't exercise. I watch other people. You know, it's a lot easier, I've discovered. So if you're running a race, and I had a dear friend that ran track in college watching, And but here's the idea. And I was thinking about, I was watching, uh, thinking about Michael Felt talented. And your focus has to be, if you're running a race, if you're looking over here, or you're looking over here, or God forbid, you turn around and do this, what's going to happen to you? You're probably not winning that race. Why? That your focus drift. One thing I do. If I'm running a race, I focus on my lane and the finish line. My lane and the finish line. Another place the Bible says in the race. You know, again, if you ever run track, put the starting line, the finish line, the same line. Jesus puts you in the race. And then when you get to the end, who's waiting on you? Remember we talked about it earlier. Precious side of the Lord is death. The one says, well done. Good and faithful, sir. Come on home. He puts you in the race. The author, and he's waiting for you. But Paul says, one thing I do. And notice how he puts it. It's very important. Verse 13. You have to forget the past forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward, reaching forward. Here's the idea of reaching forward. If you're running a relay race, you're carrying a baton, you're going to pass it. If you're running a race, you get to the end and they've got the tape up. What do you do? Right at the very end, so you could bust the tape before the other guy. You do what? You lunge forward. That's the idea in Greek. You run the race, single-minded focus. You forget the past. You forget it and you reach forward let me share something really important, this idea for the past. This includes past successes as well as past. Paul had a lot of past failures. Remember earlier we talked about he listed resume, how he looked at how he was as a, and then once he knew all that is as a pile of manure, you forget past. Let me tell you why you have to get both past successes. Failure. The failures we talked about. God says I remember no more. Sins are forgiven. Don't let someone beat you up over something you did that's wrong. This is already forgiven. You've handled it, you and God, and you've hurt somebody else. You've handled it, it's done, it's over with. You go forward. But also past sesses. You have to be very careful that you say, Well, I was really good. I'll give you an example. I've been working it 30 years. 30 years. A long time. When I came to the church, we're meeting in a rent building in Raleigh, stage in Austin P, at the top of the hill in rock and roll. Some of you may remember that. We were right there. And you know, I came to work for him, and, and I was there about, a, I started on April 1st. In June 1st, we moved into the building now there at, at um, Yale and Bartlett Boulevard. And all we had, we had a gymnasium, some rooms right above the gymnasium. That's all we had when we started on Bartlett. And we had worship gymnasium. We'd bring chairs in and carpet. It had a nice stage. Really cool. It worked out fine. When we left, the Sunday we left, and on the staff was me, Brother John. We had just hired Kaylor. And... We left stage and Austin Peay and our first Sunday was like in June, I had April, May. Now, first Sunday, June, we had about 200 people at Yale at uh, 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 stage Austin Peay. Our first Sunday at Yale and Bartlett Boulevard, we had 100 and it never went backwards. Now, I'm not saying that because of an impression number. What I'm saying is me, bro- Brother John, anything else I had to be done. And, and you know what? That was cool. But suddenly, we're just overwhelmed. Thank God Jim Kaler was there to the children because I don't know what I would have. But we're suddenly overwhelmed with body everywhere. And through relations, God blessed women, and I mean, exploded. Now, it would be easy down to say, well, they really sick. sit on the laurels. It's not about numbers go up, let's go down. Are you faithful? Forget, forget past. Learn from it, relish it, but don't live there. Even as an old man, I now qualify as one of my granddaughters. Even as an old man, my focus every day has to be, all right, Lord, right now, right now, what do you want me today? And going forward, how can I be more effective? Dr. Crichton's voice. You forget the past. You face present. You face the present. And here's how you face the reality that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He was buried. He rose again. He rose again. He conquered for you. If you're born again. Death is no longer an issue. Sin is in your life. Your master, you're going to follow. Or your old master. Who's. When you mess up, by the way, how many of you have sinned? This? A few of you haven't. Died. I'd like to see you afterwards i like to know how you did. Actually, if you made it today, I'd like to know. You're not perfect. You will let the Lord down. You face it. You deal with it. say, confess it. That simply means agree, because he already knows, by the way. He's omnipotent. You agree. And if you've offended someone in that sin, you deal with them. You ask for forgiveness. You repent. get up, and you face the present. You're not perfect. And nobody is, except whom? Not the, the guy your wife was supposed to be. You face the present to glorify him, and you go forward for the you run your race, whatever lane God put you in, you run it, single-minded focus, lunging forward prize. The prize already yours, you got it in, it's yours, and you'll get some awards for what you're going to give us back to him. You're lunging forward, you want to finish your race well. Jesus to welcome you at your face present, you reach forward for the prize. I look at verse 13 one more time. I do not count myself to have apprehended. You're not perfect. You haven't arrived. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reach forward to those things which are ahead. Now notice verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upcall of God in Christ Jesus. Simon Peter put it this way. And the idea here is being focused. Focus. Paul, all down through. Please, if, if you miss everything else I say today, please get this. When God reached down and saved you, he put you in the game. You are just significant to him, Apostle Paul, as Simon Peter. Just because you don't have a title, just because you realize you're not perfect, he just said, I-, I know I haven't arrived. I'm still running, I'm still reaching. Read over in Romans 7, he talks about struggling sin. He wasn't perfect, and neither are you, but don't ever give up. Simon Peter put it this way, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing God has given you like precious faith with us. And us is the phrase, and that's not a paraphrase. Like precious faith. I'm sharing with my class, maybe think about it, and it would be helpful to you. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says God walked the rule of the garden. God spoke to Moses in the burning that I am, that I am Yahweh, I've always been. Nobody created me. And He goes on in Habakkuk says, Oh Lord, my God. And God is what created everything. That's just my God. You realize that's who you're. The same God that walked in the Garden of Eden. The same God that spoke to Moses. The same God who spoke to Noah. The same God who dealt with Abraham. The, Abraham. the same God that taught the dead. That's God. My. My. Pursescent pronoun. Yours. When you read the Bible, that's your day. Pay attention. Pay attention. That dad, your God, is the omnipotent universe, the only self-existent thing ever been Heavenly Father. First Timothy Paul writes these I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Putting me into ministry. Although I was formerly blessed, a persecuted man. But I obtained mercy because I did in unbelief. He wasn't saved. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant. Faith, love, church, and Christ Jesus is a faith saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. Do You see that? I am among sinners. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Christ might all along a pattern to those going to believe on him for everlasting life. You know what he's saying there? Use terms that we might use today. You know what he's saying? If he can save me, he can save anybody. And if he's chosen to save me, I don't care how bad you are, he can save you. It's all about perspective. I want to share a true story with you and then we pray. There was a gentleman who died, he was 93 years old. He died in 1970, October 1970. Early in his life, this man had amassed a fortune of like $47 million. He was 93 when he died, so it had been early, a lot of money early in the 20th century, and the bankers that he trusted stole all of his money, a million dollars. He was in complete despair. He suffered a mental and physical breakdown, and he ended up in a sanitarium, battle commission for about 10 years. He tried to commit suicide on a number of occasions while he was there. The last time he tried, he stole a bunch of pills from other people. It did not work. He said in the process of that, he remembered these words from his mother from years before. His mother said to Jimmy, when everything goes wrong and all seems hopeless, don't ever forget. God will take him. He said, right then and there, he said, miraculously, the next day, the people in the center, I don't know what's happened, no longer needs to be set free from the sanitarium. He had no medicine, no symptoms of his psychotic condition, and he went to the banker who had stolen all of his money from him, his $47 million. He said, quote, I have no ill will towards you, and I forgive you. The bitterness had almost broken. It's all gone. He went back in this world. He cooped lost another 47. And toward the end of his life, he said this, my eyesight is greatly impaired, death, but my vision greater many of you shop at this or have over the tomorrow single-minded folk. lord we do thank you that jesus christ died rose again conquered sin and death so oh, it does not have the problem lord i pray for those of us who are saved who are born again that we would have the attitude that christ had. just go out love people do what's right lord if somebody here who's not born again they would understand first time a prompt heart is the holy Spirit. jesus died lord i pray in that person respond to the and for those of us who are christian we will motivate every day today tomorrow every day you give us a planet to reach prize single-minded that's what a please stand and as we sing we'd like to pray with you.